Burger. Burger Bites is recorded on location in Ozark, Missouri and presented on Anchor. The views expressed on Burger Bites are not necessarily those of the staff and ownership of the Grip and Rip Baseball League. Enjoy the show. This is Rance Berger, and I want to thank you for helping this podcast reach a modest 1,000 plays on Spotify. I get absolutely nothing in the way of money for that, but I'm not really in this for cash. As we get ready to close the book on 2020, thank God, I want to keep this project rolling with baseball stories, life stories, and just plain people stories, all the way up until the Grip and Rip Baseball League season starts in August. If you have a Google Home smart speaker, you can hear the latest episode of the show by saying, Hey Google, play podcast, Burger Bites. If you're behind on episodes, just repeat the phrase, Hey Google, play the previous episode about a dozen times until you end up somewhere back in the middle of the Tony Lewis trilogy. I didn't write the code for your Google Home device, but there was a point in my life where I never thought I'd have a show play through a smart speaker, so that's still pretty cool. I've got to thank all the supporters who helped me get here. That would be Rube Bats, Veet Relacing, Henry's Towing, Sumit's Hot Yoga, and you, the loyal listener who follows and subscribes on your podcasting platform of choice and likes all the social media posts associated with the show. Seriously, thank you. Enough with the self-love. Let's talk things over with today's contestant. You saw the mullet flowing out of the back of his catcher's mask. You saw the excessive amount of eye black he wore. And if you watched closely, you saw a dramatic improvement in his play on the field. Moon City Mavericks catcher B.J. Gates had more hits in 2020 than he did in his previous two years of GRBL baseball combined. Gates hit 300 and rose into the role of an everyday player under the watchful eye of Moon City manager Daniel England. Not satisfied, Gates is already training for 2021. He's out to show his sons Trey and Brantley that dad still has it. I happened to catch up with the vibrant and flashy catcher from North Springfield right after a training session with some fellow veterans of Southwest Missouri amateur baseball. Mesa set up a time for us to go. We went out to Cy Sports and hit a little bit. I caught some bullpen. Then we went over to the other side and took some ground balls and yeah, had a good time. It had been the all-star game that I'd caught and I ended up catching four or five guys today. So it was a little rough. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll be feeling it for the next few days. <laughs> That's for sure. I was going to ask, you mentioned the All-Star game. You know, 2020, I think we'll look back and say, well, that was the COVID season. But for you, man, it was it was the breakout season. Yeah, man, I, uh, you know, I didn't originally make the All-Star team, which, you know, it is what it is. But when I got that call from Dan England, it was like, he he's like, hey, man, would you uh, – would you want to come out there Sunday and play in the all-star game? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't I? So I was super pumped. And then I told my boys and they were just, oh man, they freaked out. Trey was ooping all up and down the hallway and just loving every minute of it. We'll talk more about 2020 in a second, but I want to, I want to go back in time a little bit. So 2018, like I remember you at, what I remember about you at tryouts, I should say, is like you had a, like most of your uniform was from slow pitch softball and it had these neon green accents, but you know, what do you remember from your first GRBL tryout? Man, I really didn't know what to wear. So 
I and I had no white pants. The only thing I had was black uh, or or I had some gray ball pants. When I decided to try out, I wanted to be seen first of all. So and I wanted to uh, I wanted my you know skills to show off, but I wanted to be seen. So I decided to the workout day uh, the day before. I decided to to wear my bright green goons jersey uh, that I played in state NSA state for softball. Uh, I wore that and some black ball pants, and then I kind of seen everybody was wearing white, and I still man I I, I didn't want to go out uh, wear white ball pants. I kind of had a thing against the white ball pants, but you know that's a part of this league and stuff. So I I put on. Uh, a black pair of pants with a triple pinstripe that go, goes down the side and it was lime green. I also wore a couple other things that were just bright, bright lime green. So yeah, I just wanted to be seen. I wanted to be seen. <laughs> I'm kind of a flashy guy. <laughs> I think it worked. You know, I remember when Courtney Spitz picked you, there was another manager in the room said, hey, was that the guy in the neon? He says, yeah. And the you know guy replied back, nice. So, so the, the neon worked for you. I don't know what it's like to be a baseball catcher at a tryout, but it seems to me like you just have to hop into a bullpen and catch a pitcher you've never seen before. The only thing I could equate it to is like having that nightmare where you go to school in your underwear, except you're actually living that feeling. So, you know, talk me through what that experience is like. Well, I didn't really have much of a problem with catching with going in blind you know and and catching most of the guys but you got you get out there and you get guys like uh cole roark and he sits there and throws a crazy velo fastball that's just i mean it's it's got some umph to it and then he throws a curveball that has a hook on it that i mean it's just it's from here to here in no time and when I caught him, he was the first guy I caught at tryouts 2020. And I caught him and I walked away and was like, man, because his curveball, it got away from me a few times. And I was like, if anybody was watching that and bases their opinion on that, then I, it's no more for me. <laughs> but luckily, you know, Danny England, he's, he saw me the last few years, so... He knows what I can do. How did that tryout feeling compare to your first ever grip and rip game? You know, what were the nerves like at that point? Man, it was night and day, honestly. I walked out on that field and seen people, seen guys I knew and friends, you know, guys I consider friends and the nerves went away. That first tryout, I didn't know anybody except for Justin Skinner. He was the only guy I knew. Oh, and uh, well, I knew Austin Kendrick as well. Uh, I played softball with him. But uh, Justin Skinner walked up to me the first tryout, and he goes, hey, man, how you been? And I was like, all right, you know. He's like, I'm glad you're here. And that kind of shifted the nerves a little bit. But at the same time, man, I was so nervous. I hadn't hit a ball. I would went to the cages because I didn't really know anybody that played baseball anymore. So I went to the cages at a uh, fun acre and I sat there for a month trying to hit a fastball 
And but I never seen anything off speed, and that's my pitch, man. I love off speed pitches. I love curveballs. I love knuckleballs. So it was just as far as far as uh, the difference between the first year and this past year, man. I knew what to expect. I knew what to expect walking out there. So I was a little more comfortable. Say, so, yeah, how does the how does that change as you you go on and you you get to know more people? Because you know, obviously, 2020. You'd been in the league a couple of years. You weren't really a stranger anymore. So I had to imagine that that would affect just your mental game going into the tryouts. It does. It does. And and as well as when they when they pick the team, you know, it's nice to see from familiar face to play with guys that I hadn't played with yet, but that I played against. And, you know, some of the some of the guys that, that I wanted to play ball with. Uh, on the same team, like uh, Caleb Cole was one of them. I, I was like, man, I, I'd love to have him as a shortstop, you know. Clint Blackwell uh, was the same way. Mean Clint. <laughs> he's funny, man. I love him to death, dude. He's a he's a good guy. But, man, he can get mad pretty easy when he's on that field. <laughs> yeah. We all have an angry Clint story, and they're all pretty funny after the fact. <laughs> man. So down to earth and just a great guy, but man, he has he has a temper sometimes. <laughs> that just means he's competitive. Uh, so Absolutely. You mentioned your son Trey already. I wanted to ask about just being able to share this experience. You know, not only with your sons, but I mean, you've shared this like with your grandparents. I'm pretty sure I've seen out at games, and it's uh, yeah, both sets of grandparents come out to games. My mom. And dad come out to the games. My stepmom and stepdad, they come out. My dad's friends have been out there. My friends have been out there. Cousins, aunt, everybody comes out. I mean, it took at least one game a year. So, yeah, I love that. I love seeing my family out there. And, of course, but, you know, so Trey is 10 right now, correct? Yeah. Probably, you know, about 15 years from now, he's going to replace me and take my job. But... It seems like he gets to know some of your teammates better than you do, or at least he's got their scouting reports. You know what? That kid is baseball smart. He knows he can tell you exactly who the guy is, what his number is, what bat he uses, what glove he uses. But he's been doing that for a long time. He started being he was in the dugout with me 90% of the time during softball. And again, it was the same thing. Uh, he would stand next to the entry to the dugout and he would have the bat ready for the next guy coming to the hole. And uh, everybody loved that, you know. I kind of got annoyed with it. Shouldn't have, but I did every now and then. Uh, he'd get in the way and standing at the entry of the dugout, man, uh, some of those balls get loose, you know, and you're sitting there. I'm, I was a nervous wreck sometimes because he'd just be standing right in the middle, you know, and a ball gets loose and you don't know what's going to happen. So I kind of got on to him a few times about things that I probably shouldn't have, but I'm just trying to keep my kids safe, you know, so – but man, he he does. He knows everything about everybody. <laughs> Speaking of gloves, Trey Gates knows this. You can't go out there with just any glove. It's got to be your glove. That's why I recommend Veet Relacing. Iceman Chandler Veet understands your baseball glove is an incredibly important tool of the trade, and he will make sure to take care of your baby. 
Whether it's a simple relacing job or a full restoration, you can trust your glove with Veet Relacing. I just had Chandler refurbish a Wilson A2234 Ron Guidry signature glove that was my father's before it became mine. You don't need to Google Ron Guidry. He won the AL Cy Young Award with the New York Yankees in 1978. Needless to say, the glove is older than me. It came back looking great, and I'll be using it for some catch and maybe even a little bit of training immediately. Find Veet Relacing on Facebook. That's V-E-I-T Relacing. Speaking of dads, BJ Gates is trying his level best to be an all-star in that arena. He upped his commitment to being a baseball dad and a baseball player in 2020. It's hard to believe that at one point, he thought he'd quit the game forever before he finished high school. We also start our walk into what was a tumultuous start into the working world and how everything changed when B.J. Gates met a girl. How often do you guys uh, just kind of talk baseball and maybe like deconstructing it bad or two, like on the way home from the ballpark and, and turn it into some learning there? We talk about baseball or softball every single day. That kid does not stop talking about baseball or softball for that matter. He went down to Branson with me this past weekend and I played in a, a big tournament and that's his zone, man. I, I mean, I've told you before, that's where he, that's where he likes to be is a ball field. It doesn't matter if it's softball. It doesn't matter if it's baseball, you know, he wants to be there. Since you've gotten involved in grip and rip, I know you've, you kind of traded a little bit of softball for baseball. So what's what's that crossover like? The first two years I played, uh, I went ahead and played softball while I was playing baseball. Uh, I didn't see any reason not to quit. I was in a competitive on a competitive team, and what happened this past year and why I why I really wanted to focus on baseball more was Trey started playing competitive. Uh, for the bros. And we were traveling with him after the big shutdown and they allowed things to start happening again. We started traveling to Lebanon. He was playing every weekend. So I wasn't getting to play uh, any tournament ball. So I decided that I was going to start focusing more uh, on the baseball aspect just because I didn't have time for for slow pitch softball. Chris Meza hit me up and I don't remember when it was, but he said he was doing a sandlot league. Just get together of guys. He said, we're just going to hit some live pitching. We want, you know, catchers. He's like, we want you to come out and, uh, and catch and hit and stuff. And, and I was like, man, you know, we run around on Saturdays so much. We're out of town on Saturdays. I said, I'll make it if I can, you know, the first time I went out there, I was like, man, this is cool. This is what we need to do year round. If we did this year round, I would not play slow pitch softball anymore until I'm done playing baseball. My kid comes first and I am going to be at every single game, either one of them play. So, but that put a damper on doing the uh, Sandlot deal. And uh, I only got to go a few times. When Trey got done with this tournament season, I focused on nothing but hitting baseballs. That's what I was focused on this past summer was just baseball. You had kind of one of the longest layoffs between like your high school playing career and your, your grip and rip career that I've heard of. 
last time I played was 17 and then I entered the I entered GRBL when I was 31. Actually Hunter Hewitt, I don't know if you remember that name, but he's he was my he's my cousin's husband now. We went out a week before tryouts and he started pitching to me and it took one day for me to get it back and I was like, "Oh man, I could totally do this. I can totally do this." Yeah, that, that says a lot. I mean, it would it would be different, I think, if you were like a right fielder. Or but to come back and catch BJ is pretty impressive. I started catching when I was nine years old, and uh, I didn't stop catching until until my senior year. The last guy I caught, it may or may not have been Justin Skinner, my senior year of tryouts. I made the team, but I was going through a lot of. Uh, anxiety, emotion. I had a lot of stuff going on in my head. My parents, two weeks into my senior year, uh, decided they were going to get a divorce. So it took a toll on me. I wrestled my senior year. I wrestled the whole year. And then when tryouts came for baseball, I didn't feel the love. I didn't feel the love for the game anymore. I didn't feel the love for much of anything at that point in my life. And I look back on it and I, man, I've dwelled on it. I really wish I would have played my senior year because the guy uh, that caught behind me that was backing me, he ended up going to college, you know, and he played baseball in college. And, and I was, I would have been the starting catcher that senior year. And it just really, yeah, I look back on it and I regret, regret not playing. So did, then did you go like straight into working right after high school? I did. I took the summer break <laughs> after high school. And then uh, I actually got hired on at uh, an electrical company that uh, they were doing like the Burl Behavioral Health uh, Center. They were doing that uh, when I got hired on there. And um, I was making decent money. And then that job got over and I moved over to Glendale High School and things started turning for the worst. I started making too much money. I was on prevailing wage. I was 18 years old and I started getting involved with some bad people and started doing some bad things. And, you know, that's where it kind of kicked off for a couple of years. And uh, I ended up getting fired from that job and uh, that, it was a great job and I should have just I should have been a decent guy and, you know, but I was young and making crazy money and still living at home with mom and because I didn't want to leave her at the time. But it was so, yeah, I, I, I worked there uh, for a little while and then, uh, you know, got fired and I worked odd in jobs. I mowed for a while, you know, did stuff like that. And then... 2006 came around and I met Riley. I uh, started a job at Steak and Shake because a friend wanted to help me out. And she was like, hey, they're hiring. We are hiring. She worked there too. We need some wine cooks and, you know, stuff like that. And I walked in that place. By the way, I had hair. My hair was all the way down to the middle of my back by that time. And she goes, you know, you're going to have to put your hair up and you're going to have to wear a hairnet. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, I do not want to do that. But I did. I stuck it out. And uh, man, I, I worked there for a little while and probably a few months. And Riley kept catching my eye. And and I was like, hey, why don't we hang out sometime, you know? And she's, ah, no, we're not each other's type. And I was like, okay, well, well, I kept trying, kept trying. And eventually, you know, she's like, hey, you know, I want to go out to Cowboys 2000 and hang out. And I was like, yeah, you know, cool. And so we, we talked off and on for, you know, a few months and I don't know. It was, it was around our birthdays. Uh, she's like, let's just make this official. And I was like, okay. But right before that, about a week or two before that, she told me, she said, Hey, you know, uh, we kind of had a little heart to heart talk. Uh, she's like, Hey, you know, I'd love to, love to date you and I, I'd like to make this official but man I cannot take you home to my dad with you having that hippie haircut I'm like all right you know I took it as you know maybe I do need to grow up a little bit cut the hair off so I went went straight to the barber shop about well I say straight but it was about a couple days I had a little time to decide really we say goodbye to the, the long beautiful hair Oh man, yeah, it was, and she would she would sit there and tell you right now that it was just a grease pit and he needed to get rid of it. No, I walked into that barber shop, I cut my hair off, and as I was walking out, I called her, and she was working at Steak and Shake, and uh, she goes, uh, you know, I'm on my shift right now, and I was like, all right, give me five minutes, and if you when you see my truck pull in, I want you to come outside she's like all right well i pulled up and she walked out and she screamed are you kidding me you cut your hair off for me and i was like uh yeah <laughs> like we built something there you know after that the rest is, you know history so Ooh, was that was that also a turning point in terms of just kind of making some better decisions and uh you know eventually working your way into better career options as well when i got hired at steak and shake I got away from the bad stuff. I did. I hate to end it on a cliffhanger. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I love cliffhangers. We will leave it here for now and pick up with the story of BJ Gates again in 2021. He's been through a lot in his personal life, but his rekindled love for baseball and the teammates he makes along the way help Gates keep going for what he hopes will be a lengthy career in the amateur ranks. Until next time, I'm Rance Berger. Thank you for downloading Burger Bites.